Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for about 40 years. I've been a church planter, a pastor, and a ministry executive, and in all those contexts, I've learned a great deal about what it means to apply a biblical and really theologically sound perspective on the practical issues of ministry leadership. Now, if you're new to this program, this is not really a preaching show. Uh, it's more of a conversation about real issues that face pastors, deacons, elders, uh, associate pastors, missionaries, staff workers in Christian organizations, all of us who find ourselves in ministry leadership. So today I'd like to talk about a pressing issue that's really come to the forefront in 2020. As I've looked at surveys of pastors and other leaders who've talked about the most pressing issues of last year, of course, a year marked by the pandemic, a social unrest, political turmoil in our country, the number one issue that surveys have shown is a concern to ministry leaders is dealing with conflict. Now, I would echo this because just in terms of my email of people writing me and asking me for help about practical problems, conflict has been a recurring theme. So what about it? How do you manage conflict well in this kind of environment we're working in today? Well, first of all, I think it's important to understand that a lot of the conflict ministry leaders are experiencing isn't really their fault or caused by them or even a result of what's going on in the ministry context. There's just a lot of anger right now in the culture. There's anger about what's happening socially in our country, politically in our country. Uh, there's anger about what's happening economically and physically as people are threatened both by, by the pandemic, both in terms of their ability to earn a living and in their health and other uh, personal issues. So there is just a lot of anger brewing out there in the culture right now. And that anger uh, comes with people to church and to work in ministry organizations and into other Christian settings. And that anger sometimes boils over into conflict situations. And so, for example, one pastor said to me, I'm not exactly sure how this little incident that happened in my church resulted in this forest fire of, of uh, conflict that came up around it. Well, what happened was the little incident wasn't really why people were angry. It was all the other stuff that was going on uh, in the world right now. So today, I want to talk about managing conflict, this kind of conflict when it comes into your ministry setting. The first thing I want to say is that leaders need to anticipate that conflict will happen. Now, when I was a younger leader, I operated under the illusion that I could have a ministry setting that was always happy, always peaceful, always content. And I actually made the mistake of teaching early in my ministry that conflict was actually an evidence of an absence of God's blessing or God's presence, and that conflict was always uh, an indicator that the church or the organization was out of step with God or God's will or God's best. Then I started studying the Bible and what it says about conflict. And what I discovered, that the New Testament church was marked by all kinds of conflicts. And in fact, it was not the absence of conflict which revealed God's presence and power. It was the fact that they resolved their conflicts appropriately and moved on to further kingdom work was the evidence of God's uh, working through conflict in their context. So let me say it again. 
the absence of conflict is not necessarily uh, equated with God's blessing or God's power. Instead, working through conflict, resolving it, and moving on to do his kingdom's work, that's the evidence of God's power. Give you some quick examples. For example, in the book of Philippians, there are two women singled out because they were in conflict. Uh, in a Philippians chapter 4, Euodia and Syntyche are mentioned. I've often wondered, what did these two women do that got their name mentioned in a letter that was read openly to the church and that later became part of the canon of Scripture? What possibly could these two women have done? And yet we know that they were in significant conflict. And beyond that, we know the Bible says that these two women had contended for the gospel by Paul's side, the person who wrote the letter. They had contended for the gospel by his side, according to what he wrote about them, meaning that they were committed Christians involved in leadership, partners in the gospel, and yet they got into a significant conflict. You know, there's another one in Galatians chapter 2. Paul and Peter got into a significant conflict. In fact, it says it was so significant that Paul wrote, I opposed Peter to his face in front of everyone. Wow. Can you imagine these two heavyweights of the New Testament opposing each other personally and publicly in that way? Man, what a conflict that must have been. And then there's another one uh, in Acts chapter 15, a uh, conflict over who was going to be youth pastor or who was going to be youth intern. You may remember the story. Uh, Paul and Barnabas got into a conflict over uh, a person named John Mark. He was a younger minister who had abandoned them on an earlier missionary journey. And when it came time to go out on another missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along. And Paul said, not doing it, not doing it. And these two men who had worked so hard together in the gospel, side by side, partners all the way, the Bible says there was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. They divided over who was going to be the youth intern or who was going to be youth pastor in their ministry experience. So all I'm trying to illustrate here is that in the Bible, there are multiple examples of good people, including really committed Christian leaders who found themselves in conflict whether it was the two women in the Philippian church or whether it was the two titanic heavyweights in the Galatian context or whether it was two men who had been missionary partners dividing up over a staffing decision, we see conflict in the New Testament church. And again, it wasn't the absence of conflict that revealed God's power in this context. It was the fact that they were willing to address the conflict work through the conflict, and move on that really revealed God's power at work. So the first step to managing conflict in your ministry setting is to anticipate that conflict will happen. Now, that doesn't mean that you take a fatalistic approach and say, well, it's going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. No, but it does mean that you anticipate it in the sense that you understand conflict is coming, you understand conflict is inevitable, you understand conflict is part of what it means to be a ministry leader, and you understand that you have to develop the skills necessary to manage conflict when it comes. Now, there's some things you can do in anticipating conflict that will help when conflict situations do arise. First of all, you should preach and teach that Conflict is inevitable and is a part of doing ministry together. You say, well, how do I do that? 
Well, if you're preaching and teaching through the New Testament, you're going to do it naturally as these stories come up in the context of your preaching and teaching. You're going to be able to teach people these stories that I've just illustrated on the show today. Or you're going to be able to use other stories to help people see that conflict is a part of what we understand uh, in, in normal church life and normal ministry life. So we can teach about that by using the Bible and what it has to say about it. We can also teach about it by using good resources about conflict management, conflict resolution. Uh, there are a number of good books that have been written on this theme or on this subject. And any one of these uh, could be used by an elders group or a deacons group or a church staff group or a ministry organization staff to read through and talk about and, and learn from what it means to manage conflict. Now, it's important to know when to do this. Uh, you anticipate conflict and teach about it and talk about it, not when a significant conflict is occurring, but if possible, as a part of the normal ongoing work of training your leaders and shaping the leaders that work together with you in your ministry context. That means that uh, you read a book, uh, for example, with your elders or with your staff or with your leaders about conflict when there's really no conflict going on. And people might say, well, why are we doing this? Is there some problem? No, there's not. But there will be someday, and we want to be ready for it when it comes. So let's do some preparatory work uh, long before it really happens to us. So when I say anticipate conflict, what I mean by that is have a realistic understanding that conflict is a part of what we're going to face as ministry leaders. See that as a part of what the Bible's instruction is and examples are for us about what it means to do ministry effectively. Recognize that the Bible itself has many examples of conflict in the New Testament church and that the absence of conflict was not necessarily an indicator that God was present, but the way that people worked through the conflict was really a better indication. And then as a part of anticipating conflict, uh, teach about it, preach about it, talk about it, and try to do this if possible at times when it's not going on in your ministry setting or in your context. And then one final thing you can do in anticipating conflict is watch the horizon as a leader. And as you see potential conflict issues coming, be proactive to resolve them while they're small, if possible, and not when they've turned into a much larger issue. For example, a vice president here at our school uh, came to me once and said, I have a proposal for some change in a particular area, and I want to run it by you. And he did. It was a really good idea. I said, you know, that's a really great idea, but it's going to have a direct impact on two or three key employees. Before you roll this out publicly, I want you to call those two or three key employees, and I want you to brief them on the plan that's coming and talk with them and hear out their concerns. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily change our direction, although we might adjust it somewhat if they give us some good ideas. So the general idea, the general thrust of what you're proposing, I definitely want to do. But there's nothing wrong with calling the people beforehand who are going to be impacted by this decision and talking with them so that they're not blindsided by it when it comes out in public. Well, he did that. And while the people that were impacted weren't necessarily all favorable to everything that was happening to them, neither did they react emotionally in a public way because they had been briefed beforehand, they understood what was happening, they understood why it was happening, and even if they didn't fully embrace it, they at least were able to say, I get it, I'm going with it, I'm able to adjust as needed. That's what I mean by anticipate conflict, by watching the horizon when you see conflict coming and taking proactive steps to minimize its impact on your organization before it happens. The second step to managing conflict well is to address conflict intentionally. 
Now, this requires you to be courageous. To step up and address conflict is never easy. You know, it may sound like on this podcast that I I enjoy conflict or I like conflict or I, I like to work in the context of conflict, and none of that would be true. I'm just like you. I wish that there was never, ever another conflict in my ministry setting or in my ministry leadership or anywhere close to me in ministry. But that's not true. That's not a realistic expectation. As I've already said, I have to anticipate conflict as a ministry leader. But then second, I have to address conflict intentionally. Now, what does that mean? Well, several things. First of all, it means that you deal with the people involved as directly as possible. You deal with the people involved as directly as possible. It means you go to visit them in their home or make an appointment to have coffee with them in a public place, or you call them on the phone and have a personal conversation with them. It means you stay away from email and other social media, that you deal with people directly who are involved in conflict or who may be having conflict with you or in some cases with each other. And as you address these and deal with these people, you approach them in the right way at the right time. You know, every one of us who's married knows that there are certain times and certain ways to approach our spouse when we're in conflict that are healthy. And then there are other times and other ways to approach a spouse when we're in conflict that are detrimental to the situation. We know how important it is to pick the right time and the right way to address a delicate issue. Do the same thing in your ministry context. And then as much as you can, discern the genuine issues driving the conflict. You know, for example, a pastor told me that he had a significant argument erupt in his church about wearing masks or not wearing masks. And it was an ugly confrontation between two people. Uh, One person was arguing against wearing masks and saying all kinds of things about civil rights and civil disobedience and not being ordered around by the government. And the other person was advocating for wearing masks, not Uh, because of personal health concerns and the fear of transmitting the disease to their aging parents who lived with them and these kinds of issues. And this conflict erupted. And the pastor was wise enough to step in and say, hey, what's really going on here? And with a little bit of pastoral conversation, they were able to discern, but what was really going on was a great deal of fear, a great deal of confusion, and a great deal of anger, not about masks, really, but about lost income, lost jobs, pressures to school to school children during the pandemic, about all kinds of personal dynamics that were bubbling just, just under the surface, which were coming out in this way that I've described. This pastor was able to help them discern these genuine issues and to really resolve what was actually a superficial conflict about mask wearing by getting down to some more significant issues uh, that were at hand. As a part of addressing conflict intentionally, sometimes that's our role as ministry leaders to facilitate honest dialogue and prayer together about the genuine issues. You know, a number of years ago, I had a lay leader in my church who was so wise about this. Anytime there was a conflict, he would say, let's see if we can get together and pray about it. Now, I used to say, first of all, let's see if we can get together and talk about it. But that wasn't his approach. He said, let's see if we can get together and pray about it. And when he would get a person together that was having conflict or maybe two or three people having a conflict in our church, he would always say with great gentleness, hey, before we get into the conversation, I wonder if we could all just get down on our knees and call out to God for his help. 
we, we're brothers and sisters here. We, we want to act like it, and we want to figure out how to solve this problem. Let's see if we can pray about it and talk about it and, in, and do so in that order. So dealing with conflict intentionally means dealing with people directly, in the right way, at the right time, helping to discern the genuine issues that are driving the conflict and trying to address those with people rather than being distracted by what are oftentimes these more superficial issues, and then facilitating honest dialogue and prayer about the genuine issues, and maybe even leading with prayer as a strategy. You know, it is really hard when you get together with someone and you earnestly pray with them to end that prayer time on the same footing, the same emotional standing, uh, from the same posture that you were before you prayed and spent time before God together. Well, a third step you can take in managing conflict is to determine to resolve your conflict appropriately. Now, notice I choose that word appropriately rather than completely or definitively or finally. Resolve conflict appropriately. That means you reach the best conclusion possible. And that does not mean that you make everyone happy all the time. Now, this is hard for me because as a leader, uh, I like to see people come together. I, I like to see things worked out. I, I want to have everybody leave the meeting with a win-win. I, I want everyone to be happy when it's over. But I've realized over the years those are unrealistic expectations. The best solution possible is what we're trying to achieve, which means that we resolve the conflict in the healthiest way available to us right now, not necessarily that we make everyone happy. And when we do reach a conclusion, whatever that conclusion is, uh, we then hold people accountable to that conclusion. I remember a number of years ago, an old-time deacon in our church had a simple strategy when he was dealing with people in our church that were having conflict with each other or conflict with the church. He'd go out and he'd visit with them. He'd pray with them. And when they got it worked out to their satisfaction, maybe the best solution they were going to get to, he'd make a note of it in the flyleaf of their Bible or in the flyleaf of his Bible. He'd say, on this day, we worked out this conflict over uh, this curriculum issue or over this doctrinal issue or over this personal problem or personal conflict. And then he'd put a date by it and he'd say, why don't we just sign this or initial this and, and just put our, 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 our little mark here that says, you know, on this day, we got this resolved. And anytime it came up again, he, he would just quietly point to that and say, hey, listen, we, we already solved this one. We've already solved this. Remember that? We, we made a note that we've already put this one behind us. Now, that was a simple thing, but it was profound to me because I saw how you could make, how you could help people to really come to grips with conflict, put a, put a, a conclusion to it and say, even though we're not all happy, we didn't all get everything we wanted and it didn't work out totally, we did reach the best conclusion possible in the moment and we are ready to move forward. You know, when you reach the best conclusion possible, when you resolve the conflict appropriately, one of the ways that you can know you've done that is if everyone is willing to return to doing kingdom work either together or separately, but getting it done. Now, this is very important. In the Bible, there, there's really only two options about how conflict was resolved appropriately. In most cases, 
the conflict was resolved in these New Testament examples I've given you particularly. The conflict was resolved and people went on working together. But in the very famous case of Paul and Barnabas, they resolved their conflict by choosing new ministry partners and going their separate ways. But here's the key thing, but continuing to do the ministry that they were assigned. They both continued the mission of God. Now listen very, very carefully. I don't ever want there to be division in my church or in my ministry organization. I just don't. I wish everyone could always stay together, work together, and have no separations. But that's simply not realistic, and it doesn't even follow the biblical pattern. Sometimes the healthiest solution is to separate. But here's the key. The ultimate healthiest solution is to get back to and continue doing God's kingdom work. So if you can stay together and do that, or if you have to separate and do that, as long as you can get to the ultimate conclusion of maintaining your focus on doing God's kingdom work, then you have successfully resolved the conflict. Now, here's the option that isn't permitted in the Bible. Staying, disrupting kingdom focus, are leaving and abandoning kingdom focus are not biblical options. So we can either stay and work together, separate and work apart. Those are our two options, but we cannot stay and continue to fight or separate and quit the work of God. Whatever we do, we have to stay focused on getting kingdom work done. Well, a fourth step in managing conflict in ministry organizations is learning to accept mixed outcomes. Again, this was so hard for me in earlier years of ministry and really still is today. I, I want everyone to have a good outcome to every conflict, but that's just simply not possible. Accepting mixed outcomes means that some people will be happy and some will be unhappy. Some may leave, some may stay. And here's the saddest thing. It always means that some collateral damage is inevitable. When there's a conflict in a ministry organization, uh, younger Christians see it and are often discouraged. Children see it and sometimes leave or become disillusioned or maybe even step away from our faith. Uh, when conflict happens, leaders are discouraged and separated from their focus and unable to keep getting the work done that God has assigned them. There's always collateral damage. And so when I say that you have to accept mixed outcomes, I'm not uh, congratulating us on having to accept mixed outcomes. I'm simply saying that leaders who can't accept mixed results will be doomed to perpetual frustration. You're just simply going to have to say sometimes, this is the best we can do. It's the best solution we're going to reach. And now we all have to move on. And that, my friends, is difficult, but part of the maturity and responsibility we have as ministry leaders. And then that leads me to the final step. The last step is you just have to move on. You have to accept the outcome as best you can achieve it. Stop revisiting the conflict and allow it to fade. Don't keep bringing it up as a sermon illustration or talking about it in staff meeting or letting it be a dominating feature of your deacons or elders meetings or anything like that. Stop revisiting the conflict and allow it to fade and shift your focus back to accomplishing your mission. Remember, our ultimate goal is not conflict resolution. Our ultimate goal is kingdom expansion, being focused on the work of God and getting it done.
Well, as I started out the show today, I said that uh, conflict is really at the top of surveys and at the top of uh, lists and at the top of my own experience as t- in terms of the number one ministry issue that people have been dealing with in the past year. Ministry leaders have been dealing with and are going to continue to deal with conflict. So remember, anticipate conflict. It will happen. You can be prepared for it. You can have biblical and practical resources and a cadre of training to support your efforts if you'll put them into practice even now. Address conflict intentionally. Resolve conflict appropriately. Accept mixed outcomes and then move on. It is never easy to deal with conflict, but it's part of our task as ministry leaders. If you'd like to know more about this subject, I've written about it in two different books. One of my books on this subject is called The Case for Antioch and has a lot of biblical material in it about managing church conflict. And another book is called The Painful Side of Leadership, which has chapters in it about managing conflict, dealing with criticism and related issues. Hey, thanks for being with me on the show today. It's our responsibility to take conflict and deal with it appropriately. You can do it as you lead on.